Hallelujah. I just want to invite to the podium. Let us put our hands together. Who is coming? No other person than Bishop Dr. C. Everton Thomas. Who is coming with a word from the Lord. Receive the man of God in Jesus' name. I'll say yes, Lord, to your will, to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole life and my Spirit speaks to me. When your spirit speaks to me. When your spirit. With my whole life. With my. I'll agree. And my answer will be Lord. Somebody, everybody stand to your feet. Put your hands together and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes to your will and yes to your way. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Don't stop it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes to your will and yes to your way. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole life, I'll agree. And my answer, my answer, my answer will be yes, yes, yes. God bless you. Just remain standing. Such a pleasure to be here this morning. First in another long time since we have had the privilege to be assembled together like this. And it's a pleasure to see you. God bless you. You didn't have to call to come. You could have said, Chuck, I'll wait for another time. But you pressed. You pressed. And there are many who called and were told they couldn't make it because we had exceeded the 50. And so you are privileged. Look at somebody and tell them, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Yes, you are blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. <laughs> Don't take it for granted now. Don't take it for granted. Amen. God bless you. Just remain standing while we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. And let me extend precious and holy greetings to the elders. 
certainly those who are here and their families, to all our leaders, to saints and friends gathered here today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, reading from verse 36 to 38. Three verses. Screens are down, but this is why you need to walk with your sword, walk with your Bible. It could even be on your device, your phone. Make sure you have your own sword. Amen. Reading from verse 36 to 38. Here I begin. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Everybody say, when he saw, he was moved. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. And were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then said Jesus, or then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. I want to talk to you today on the subject, I'm sent to make a difference. I am sent to make a difference. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we need you. At this time, to inspire these words to the hearts of your people. Indeed, the harvest was plenteous, but the laborers are few. Bless us now, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And again, we say, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Sent to make a difference. And the Bible that we hold dear is a book filled with meaning and purpose filled with blessing. The Bible is filled with many important statements that we overlook. The Bible is filled with many truths that we should pay more attention to. For example, there is a passage that should be disturbing to us. 
Psalm 142 and verse 4. There is a humming in the system that's nagging if we can get rid of it. If not, we'll just live with it. Psalm 142, verse 4, where the Bible says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Did you get that? Just the last clause. Nobody cared for my soul. I submit to you today that are gathered here that have assembled here, that there are people who are lamenting the fact that nobody cares for their soul. And they may not say it in that way. They may not express it in those words in the same way that very often when people are depressed and they're crying out for help, they don't say, I am crying out for help. 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 Can somebody? No, they don't say that. You have to listen carefully. You have to pay attention to what's going on in their conversations and sometimes in their nonverbal conversations, meaning it may not even be something they say. It may be something they do or don't do. But there are many millions of people on planet Earth today, in fact, billions with a B, who are crying out for help and are saying, nobody cares for my soul. Now, it's important that we understand that the soul is the part of man we can't see. So we are a tripartite being, meaning we are made of, we normally say body, soul, and spirit, but the Bible in Thessalonians says spirit, soul, and body. Because the truth of the matter is the body is the least important of the three. The spirit, the soul. Those are the real important ones, but because we can't see the spirit, we can see a manifestation of the spirit, how you act, how you react, how you behave, how you speak, but we cannot see the soul or the spirit. Tendency is to pay more attention to the body. And even when the Bible says, take no thought for the morrow, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, what you shall wear, you know, or how you shall live. The writer wasn't saying we shouldn't be concerned about our bodies. No. It's a Jewish idiom that really puts one thing above another thing. 
that emphasizes the one thing over the other thing to make a point. So he's not saying you shouldn't be concerned about the body. You better be concerned about the body. People who are not concerned about their bodies will develop a body odor, will become obnoxious in public, even amongst yourself. You ever do this yet? Just checking. <laughs> the, joke, the joke about body odors is you usually don't smell your own. <laughs> you smell everybody else's, but you don't smell your own. My point is, we have to take care of this body. And that's why you go in the mirror ladies in the mornings and you'll spend a significant time putting on your wig. I mean, combing your hair. <laughs> Whatever it takes. It's important for the body to look good. And that's okay. But Jesus said, don't worry about the one who can kill your body. Be more concerned about the one who will destroy both body and soul in hell. My point, if there are people all over the world that are lamenting the fact that nobody cares for their soul, if we really believe in hell the way we say we do, Shouldn't we be more concerned about rescuing people from the clutches of Satan as they're on their way to hell? So in this message today, sent to make a difference, I want you to accept that the Lord is speaking to you, you, you. Interestingly, there is no one videotaping or streaming, Facebooking or live streaming the service. So it's really just about us here today. Uh, am I wrong? Is there anybody? No, there's no broadcast. So whatever is said is for you. It's not for TV land. It's not for those out there. God is speaking to us today. Sooner than later, we will have our streaming equipment and we can share with the world. But now, it's like, come, let us reason together. I know many of you took the opportunity when you heard that we could have 50 again. Still not a great number. I mean, look, you could shoot an M16 in here, God forbid, but the point and hardly hit anybody because the place is empty. But you were glad when they said unto you, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. And as the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the man and custom of some. I want us to look at that word in a little more probity. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. 
When we say we have come today, and we even write songs about we have gathered in his house, we've come into the gathering to worship him. Yeah, we have gathered, but when we gather like this, we also call it assembling. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. So to assemble ourselves means to what? Come together in a building. Come together in a room. True? Through or false? Through? <laughs> okay. True. <laughs> we have come together assembling ourselves together. But I would like to engage your thoughts and your thinking to realize that assembling means a little more than coming together. Now, but why and how? Well, when my son, I don't remember how old, but when he was maybe going two years old, I went to Toys R Us in the States. They don't exist anymore, pretty much, online maybe. And I bought him a bicycle. I think it was later than two. The first thing was a tricycle, which is okay. But when I bought the bicycle, however old he was, three, whatever, it came in a box. Hello. Wouldn't it be nice if he just got the bicycle all fitted up and he just take it to him and say, come on, let's ride. It comes in a box. We had to unpack it. We had to unbox it. We had to take the parts out of the box, put them down, look at them. Take out the wheel, put it there. Take out the other wheel, put it there. Take out the frame, put it there. Take out the handle and put it there. Now, when I did that, it was in my living room. Was the bicycle assembled? Oh, you mean? But all the parts were there. All the parts were gathered together. So how you mean it wasn't assembled? It wasn't assembled? What did I have to do? I had to put it together. I had to fit the handle to the frame, fit the wheels there, get the spracket in place, get the chain correctly hooked up, put on the pedals and tighten up the screws and get the wrench. Hello. Then it was assembled. So let me ask you the question now. When we come together in a building like this, are we assembled? Food for thought. It takes more than us coming and sitting on a chair, standing up, lifting hands and clapping. All of us here together, all 50 of us here together. We might be here, but we may not be assembled. Because we have not been put together. It is only when you put the pieces together that purpose falls into place. It is only when you connect the parts together that we can truly say we are assembled. Hmm? So coming together is one. But getting connected into purpose is another thing. So when Jesus was with his disciples, the Bible says he saw 
the multitudes, plural, crowd over there, so crowd up there, so crowd around there, so we leave a crowd down. He saw the multitudes, and when he saw this particular multitude, the Bible says he was what? He was what? He was moved with compassion. Somebody say compassion. Moved with compassion on them because they what? They fainted and were scattered abroad, disjointed, dislocated. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Before we go to the next verse, keep it right there. It is interesting to note then that, first of all, Jesus saw the multitude. Somebody say he saw them. And because he saw them, he was what? Moved. And he was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted. Was it a physical fainting? Were they falling down? No. No. Oh, they probably were tired, but that wasn't what Jesus was referring to. The fainting that's referred to here is a mental fatigue, is a mental anguish, a mental fainting because of all the different crazy teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees because of all the, the false doctrines that had permeated their lives. Because of all that they had been hearing that made no sense and brought them no peace, that brought them no satisfaction. Jesus said he had compassion on them because they were fainting mentally, not just physically. Even if they were tired, that's no problem. You're tired? Just go get some rest, man. Go to sleep. Go to bed early this evening. Today is a lockdown day. You're tired? Just go to bed from 6 o'clock, no man. Even if you wake up 12 and can't go back to bed, at least you're relaxing. You will fall asleep again by 2 o'clock. Get up and pray. So, the, the physical weariness that will even cause fainting is not such a problem. Hmm? Matter of fact, we, we suffer with this physical fatigue so much. Most times you ask people now how they do it, what they tell you. How are you doing, sis? I'm tired. <laughs> so tired. Anybody ever give that answer yet? Yeah, it's a regular answer. How are you doing? Oh, I'm tired. Especially if you're out in the sun and it's blazing. Yesterday I was in the sun and I was like, oh my goodness. I had a cap, but I didn't have my sunglasses. It was blistering. So we, we do get tired. But let me tell you, one of the reasons we get so tired, yes, we are in a tropical climate, and yes, the sun is hot, and yes, the pollution is great. But can I tell you, one of the reasons we are getting so tired so much is that we are not treating our bodies right. Hello? Now, I'm not going in a health talk. One of these days, we need to do a health talk. 
But we treat our bodies with scant regard. We eat anything, drink anything, while we're not eating and drinking the things we should be eating and drinking. Then you feel sick and tired. And back in the day when the church was full, you called for a healing line and it wrapped right around. You remember? From Deirsa going all the way past, come down. Because people sick. When the Bible says he gave you the herbs and every green thing for the healing of the nation. <laughs> but we don't want the herbs. And I'm not talking weed here. I'm talking herbs. Good vegetables and herbs. That when you feed your body with herbs and green leaves. Eh? And, and, and other kinds of vegetables and fruits. Your, your cells are regenerated and renewed. Yes, you still feel tired, but you can handle it. Yes, you might still feel weary. You might even feel faint, but you're going to be okay. So please, watch what you eat if you're suffering with just always being tired. But Jesus was not worried about the physical tiredness. He was worried about what they were going through in their minds. And the Bible says he had compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad. And so we're going to look at a couple of things today that Jesus obviously saw because whilst there are organizations in the world that have been designed to take care of the natural needs of men. You remember that Psalm 142 verse 4? No one cared for my soul. There are organizations that take care of the natural side of things. You have the Red Cross, you have USAID, you have UNICEF, Food for the Poor. These are organizations, international agencies and outfits that will offer disaster relief in the time of a hurricane or earthquake, food, and they help, clothing, and they help. That's their purpose. But Jesus established the church for the sole purpose of taking care of the soul of man. He established a church for the S-O-L-E purpose of taking care of the S-O-U-L-S of man. And he expects the church to do just that. Red Cross is doing what they do in the natural. UNICEF, Food for the Poor, USAID. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And that's great. But the church needs to do what it's supposed to do. To do. Can I get a witness here? Can somebody say amen? So, what a contrast with the Lord Jesus. Hmm? He was moved with compassion. His bowels yearned for them. He was touched with a feeling of their infirmities. He saw them. He knew what they needed. He knew he could make a difference. 
He knew his disciples could make a difference. So it wasn't just, well, we're just passing this way today. It's another day, another dollar. And thank God. Thank God for another day. Went home the night and lied down and said, thank God for another day. Now I lay me down to sleep. No, 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 no. He could not lie down to sleep until he did something that would make a difference. And a real difference. Amen, somebody? So, he was concerned for the souls of men, their comfort here, and everlasting happiness thereafter. Because they fainted. So now, watch what Jesus does after he saw. Can I say to you, every day that we live, we have opportunities to see multitudes that are in need. Whether it's at your workplace, whether it's on the way to work, whether it's at the supermarket, whether it's at the food market, every single day we have opportunities to see multitudes that need what the multitudes who Jesus saw needed. So don't just think, well, multitudes sound like thousands and thousands of if it's even three people that you see every day, that is a part of the multitudes that may need what you have. And so it's important then that we pay close attention to those that come around us because they are there for a reason. It was the passion that Jesus had for souls that made God send him from heaven. The song says he left the splendor of heaven knowing his destiny was the lowly hill of Golgotha there to lay down his life for me. Hmm? And it goes on to say, if that isn't love, then the ocean is dry. There are no stars in the sky. And the sparrows can't fly. If that isn't love, for God to leave the comfort zone of heaven, for him to put on flesh and come down to dwell on this sinful earth. If that isn't love, I don't know what love is. That's love. That's love. Somebody say, that's love. God's redeeming love. It was in this passage then that Jesus looked upon the multitudes that had gathered around him because of the miracles. And he looked at the helpless. He looked at the hopeless. He looked at the hurting. And he could see in their eyes that they needed more than what they had already received. Jesus saw four elements that caused him to be moved with compassion. I want to leave these four elements with you this morning. 
before we close, before we go. Number one, Jesus saw their departure from God. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion in them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Come on, somebody. Jesus saw their departure from God. And when we see people around us who are fainting in their minds because of the mental anguish, fainting in their minds because of the stress, fainting in their minds because of the conspiracy theories, fainting in their minds because of the decisions and discussions around vaccinations. Should I or shouldn't I? People are fainting today. And in the same way that when Jesus saw the multitudes fainting, he had to do something about it. I submit to everyone here today that we have to do something about the people around us that are fainting. The people around us that are departing from God. Because they need an answer. They need something that we have. And if we're not prepared to give them, who is going to give them? Who's going to let them know? Who's going to tell them the good news? Who's going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? They were scattered away from the shepherd as sheep without shepherd. There's one thing about sheep. It's interesting that the Bible uses this analogy because sheep are classified and rightly so as dumb animals. Dumb, dumb, meaning not much sense, if you call it that. That's not the word I'm looking for, but the sheep, if the sheep misses the flock, and strays a bit, God help it. It is not likely for the sheep to find his way back to the fold. Sheep are dumb animals. Goats are different. Dogs and others are different. But sheep, when they go astray, find it most difficult to find their way. And isn't this what the Bible says about them? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every man to his own way. Yet the Father has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore, and, and it's because of what he did on Calvary. Why you and I can be here today lifting up holy hands. Why you and I can be here today rejoicing that we are alive and we thank God that we know Jesus because we were sheep that were found by the shepherd. Thank God for the shepherd. Put your hands together and bless his name. So Jesus saw their departure from God. Not only did he see their departure from God, but he saw their depravity in sin.
because the sheep need the shepherd. Not just to guide them home, but to feed them. The sheep need the shepherd to sustain them. And so when Jesus saw the multitudes and that they were like sheep without shepherd, he recognized that they were depraved in sin. This is why the song and the scripture talks about the shepherd who left the 99 in the fold. Bible says they, 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 he counted and he got to 99. He had 100 sheep. But when he counted, 99 was accounted for. He said, let me count again. There's got to be one more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, third, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ninety-nine again. He probably double and triple checked it. But when he realized that there were only ninety-nine, what did he do? The Bible says he got up and left the ninety and nine in the fold. You are all okay. You fifty, forty-nine plus me. We are all okay. Jesus, the shepherd, said, I'm going to leave you because you're good. Look at somebody and say, you're good. There are others out there who are not good. There are others out there who are depraved in sin. There are others out there who are lost. There are others out there who are scattered as sheep without a shepherd. There are others out there who are fainting. Because of the complexities of the circumstances that we're dealing with today. And Jesus said, I've got to do something about this. He wasn't referring to just their physical state, but he saw beyond that. What do you see when you see co-workers? What do you see when you go to the supermarket? I was with my wife last night. My car is in the shop. She's getting it hopefully this week. And, and, and so I was riding with her. And when we left the juice bar, curfew is six. I think they closed five. We got on the road. We couldn't believe it. The traffic, the traffic was crazy. And it's just like whenever there's a lockdown, and the curfew is coming up. One hour before the cutoff point. Like, you wonder where so much people come from. And sometimes we comment on it. Sometimes we might say, where are all these people come from? Where are all these people going? Well, they're saying the same thing about you, by the way. Why are you on the road? You think you should be there and they're not there? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> <laughs> you are a part of the problem. You are a part of the crowd. But my question to you is, when we see all these people on the roads on a Saturday evening before the curfew, uh, do we just say, my goodness, look at all these people, or do we see them the way Jesus saw them? As sheep having no shepherd, as souls that need to be saved. 
Or do we just say, Lord have mercy, them just pull up the road. When you take up the gleaner, those of you that still read the, the physical gleaner, and you look at the obituaries, and you see two, three pages, sometimes four pages, like on a Sunday in normal times, of just picture, 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 picture. People who died, who died this week, who died last month, who died 40 years ago, but a memoriam is coming up. But do you ever look at the ones who died last week and say, I wonder, I wonder if they were saved. Or do you just look at it as though, well, let me see if I know anybody here. I don't know. People are dead every day, so... Jesus couldn't just see people and just brush it off as a normal experience. He had compassion. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, if we don't have compassion for the lost, we can pray for it. In the same way the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Well, if you don't have a passion for souls, I submit to you that you can pray and ask God to give you a burden for souls. You can pray and say, God, I want you to widen the vision of my unseen eyes. I want you to intensify my sensitivity. I want you to give me a burden for lost souls, a burden so heavy that I will not sleep until I do something about it. I want you, God, to help me to let my dreams cascade over into the warm waters of reality where I can know that I'm making a difference connecting sheep with the shepherd, connecting the lost with the Savior, leading somebody to Jesus Christ on my job, in my neighborhood, at the school I work. Huh? Come on, somebody. So Jesus saw their depravity in sin, and he was burdened with it. Not only did he see their departure from God and their depravity in sin, Jesus also saw their destiny in hell. Because when he looked at them and saw that they looked like sheep having no shepherd, he knew right off the first thing that must have been going through Jesus' mind is, whoa, whoa, they're going to hell. They're going to a Christless eternity. And he had to do something about it. He saw their destiny. There are people in your sphere of influence. There are people in your circle. There are people in your world. And I say your world because your world is not my world. In my world, there are people that you will never meet. In your world, there are people that I will never meet. And God has strategically positioned you in your world. So you would be the one to shine the light. So you would be the one to spread the good news of the gospel. So you would be the one to make a difference. Can somebody say amen? Jesus saw their destiny in hell and he had to make a difference. Does it matter to us when we see people who are possibly not saved? And by the way, don't go around judging everybody that's not saved. 
or to be not saved just because they don't look like you and dress like you. Some people may not dress like you, but they're saved. They come from different streams and they have different standards. And But there you say, yeah, Bishop, but if they say, you see, that's the thing. We, we get so caught up in, in that. That's what we are. Yeah, but if they were on you, you're ready to have an argument about that. But you're not ready to go witness to somebody who really needs Jesus. So, the question is today, do you really have that burden, that compassion, that heart for those that need Jesus? No wonder he was moved with compassion because you remember the story of the rich man who died and went to hell. The poor man, Lazarus, died and went where? In the bosom of Abraham. We say heaven, but it was really, the Bible says, the bosom of Abraham. And, and, and the Bible says that the rich man began to ask Father Abraham if he would send a messenger to tell his brethren, don't come to hell. Don't come down here. It is too crazy. You, you don't want to come here. Even those in hell are crying out for others not to come. Why should we that are alive and have the Holy Ghost and have been commissioned by God not be concerned about stopping people from going to hell? If we believe in hell the way we believe and say we believe it, why aren't we doing more to keep more people out of hell. People are just worried about coronavirus, worried about this, worried about the Delta variant. And, uh, and we get caught up in it too, as though it's the end of the world. Listen, brother, sister, you're, you're going to die from COVID or a heart attack or old age. Something is going to get you. One thing is certain, you cannot get out of life alive. So it doesn't matter really what's going on now. Stop worrying about that and understand that what we need to be concerned about is that our souls are right with God and the people around us that God allows us to interact with, to mingle with, to live with, to, to, to serve with that they need Jesus and Jesus had compassion on them and he made sure that something was done. Look around the church. There are people all around you who will die and go to hell. Some of them come to church and are not saved. I've seen people come to church for 20 years and never got saved. But praise God and yet there are those who come for 20 seconds and get baptized and give their lives to God. We need a burden that will cause us to be constantly concerned about those who need the Lord. Jesus had this burden. He saw their departure from God. He saw their depravity in sin. He saw their destiny in hell. But he also saw their despair without a shepherd. And when he saw this, he was moved. Now take me to the next verse. Because after he looked and he saw it, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. 
It's a lot of people. It's a lot of crowd. It's a lot of multitudes that need the Lord. But the harvest is ripe and plenteous, but it's the laborers that are few. See, what Jesus was saying is there is more harvest than there is reapers. There is more harvest than there are reapers. Jesus was saying to his fellows, I need reapers. I need some people who will develop the passion that I have for souls. Jesus was saying to his disciples, I need some of you to have the burden that I have for souls. I need you to get this burden because the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Where are the laborers? In another place, he said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. If there was ever a time that the church could evangelize in the most effective ways, it is right now. Brothers and sisters, I've said this before. Let me say it again. The disciples only wished they had the internet. The disciples only wished they had Wi-Fi. The disciples only wished they had smartphones. My God, can you imagine what they would have done if they had IG and, and Facebook and Twitter? The Bible says they turned their world upside down without this, without a bicycle, without a motorbike, without a telephone, without television, without anything. They turned their worlds upside down. What might they have done if they had internet? What might they have done if they had Facebook? Listen, I don't mind seeing your, you and your cute self posting your selfies. I don't mind it. It's okay, honestly. Honestly, I don't mind it. But what I long to see is somebody putting up a post that says, oh, I found Jesus. You know why? Because you and I have developed a compassion for souls. I long to see somebody putting up a picture on Instagram and saying, man, a funny thing happened to me on my way to hell. I got saved. Man, can you imagine the kind of viral spins that would take place if you and I would begin to have that compassion, the burden that we need for lost souls, that men and women would come to know Jesus. The Bible says Jesus saw their despair without a shepherd. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. People need Jesus. Who are the ambassadors of Jesus? If you are a Jesus ambassador, raise your hand in this place. All the Jesus ambassadors, raise your hand. I'm a Jesus ambassador. Somebody look at somebody and say, I'm a Jesus ambassador. I'm a Jesus ambassador. I'm a Jesus ambassador. And if people are going to know about Jesus, I've got to be the one to tell them. I don't wait for you to come in my world to tell the people, the multitudes, in my world about Jesus. Please stand with me, everybody.
I'm not waiting for you to come in my world to tell the loss about Jesus. That's my job. Sister June, that's my job. Sister Faith, that's my job. Don't wait for anybody to come in your world. You need Jesus' eyes. <laughs> Somebody say, I need Jesus' eyes. What's that, Bishop? You need eyes like Jesus. So when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved. The next time you go to Price Mart, the next time you go to Coronation Market, the next time you go to Papine Market, the next time you go to High Low, the next time you go to Tropical Plaza, the next time you travel and you go to the mall in Miami, New York, and you see the multitudes, please. Don't just see people in masks that are going about their business. See people that are fainting. People that need the love of Jesus. People that need an experience that you have. People that need to come to know Jesus in the way you have come to know him. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. The end of broken dreams. I hope today that this message has touched you. I hope something resonates in your spirit today. Because guess what? Here's my closing. We won't sing it yet. Just, just keep playing it softly. But here's a closing to this word. Jesus literally gave his disciples a threefold command. First of all, he said, Behold, I say unto you, the harvest is plenteous. In other words, look. In, in the other scripture, he said, lift up your eyes and look. So, if we are going to make a difference, number one, we must visionize. Somebody say, visionize. Visionize. You got to see it. You got to see people for who they are and what they need. And after we visionize, number two, we must. And he said it to them. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. So take it, take it down. Take it down. Don't miss this. Visionize is number one. Number two is we must agonize. Mother needs salvation. Father, my brother is not saved. Lord, my co-workers don't know you. Jesus, look at the crowds. They don't 
have a personal relationship. We've got to agonize. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will do what? Send forth laborers into I used to say into the harvest but the word says his harvest. Anybody that have a harvest would be willing to send forth laborers. Not true. Jesus is willing to send but you see what what we think is that that means oh God anoint the missionaries God anoint the evangelists oh please be quiet what it means is Lord here I am send me I'm willing to go if you can use anything Lord you can use me that's what it means yeah, Lord, but they have so much missionaries and evangelists and pastors and bishops and preachers. and You talk too much. People need the Lord. And because, hold it, because people need the Lord, God, I am available. I'm making myself available. So I'm visionizing. I am agonizing and here comes a third one what is it you know it rhymes starts with the e i'm evangelizing visionize agonize evangelize we we have to find elder mr faith and maybe i shouldn't be talking to you old folks <laughs> where are the young ones jethro <laughs> This young generation, guys, you're going to have to help us find creative ways of using the technology with new evangelism strategies. So what if we can't have street meeting anymore? You know, you're the prime minister said no campaign, no convention, no crusade. I don't know how long this is going to last. So do we just sit down and wait for two more years and see? What if three more variants come up? Worse than the Delta. Brethren, come on, man. Come on. Everybody now knows how to use Zoom. And the church has been forced into using the techno technology and the platforms. I'm amazed. Every time we have pushed our Bible study. <laughs> every time. I mean, well, I can't say every time. But most of the time one of our oldest members that's on first hmm? and and whether it is that she's getting help i don't know but she's on and you see her name god bless you brother you're not even watching today because you're not broadcasting but we have to find a way young people to maximize this little thing here called a smartphone. And even the dumb phones. Yours might not be smart, it might be dumb. But it still can make calls, not true. <laughs> if all it can do is make a call, that's good enough. Call somebody and give them a word of encouragement. So the dumb phones can work as well as the smartphones. People need the Lord. How can we come up with strategies to use IG, Instagram, Facebook, 
He's like, come on, we, we just use it. And Mark Zuckerberg just sit down there smiling all the way to the bank. Because the more people use it, the more he can say to his advertisers, look, we have two billion users that can possibly see your ad. Huh? If Facebook were a country, it would be the second largest country in the world. And we just fall into the trap and just using it for the same reason that everybody is using it. So sad. <laughs> we love the suicide. So sad. Eavesdropping and, and, and Facebook's so smart. Uh, what, what's on your mind this morning? What, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? And some people putting out their business on Facebook. And when people respond to it, you're getting upset. Come out of my business. It's you put it out there. I wasn't getting into your business. I'm scrolling on my device and your business came on my screen. Because you put it out there. And all of us as believers, if we're not careful, we just fall into this trap. And use it for that purpose. And Oh, happy birthday to so and so. Happy birthday, happy anniversary. Nothing is wrong with that, but brethren, if Jesus had a smartphone, you tell me what he would do. You tell me what he would post on Facebook. Hmm? Deborah, if Jesus had a smartphone on IG, Facebook, what would he be posting? What do you think? You, I, I, I really want to answer. What do you think? What do you think are some of the things he would be posting about? <laughs> like the you can move your mouse so can you, Chris? That the world is coming to an end and salvation. Where what? That the world is coming to an end and salvation is pertinent. That the world is coming to an end and salvation is pertinent. June, if, if Jesus had a a smartphone with Facebook, access to all of that. What do you think he'd be saying? You don't have to tell me publicly. Uh, Sister Lorna, what would Jesus be posting on Instagram? What would Jesus, Sister Sharon, be posting on Twitter? Would he be speaking to Donald Trump? Or would he be speaking to the whole world about salvation? whole world. Somebody lift your hand. Say, God, come on, say, Father, we thank you for salvation. Come on, say, we thank you for saving us. But we pray that you'll give us a burden for the lost. I pray, God, that you will draw souls into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, use me Come on, say, use me, Jesus. Use me. Use me to visualize, to agonize, and to evangelize. Because I have been sent. I have been sent to make a difference. And I want to make a difference. I'm making a difference now in Jesus' name. People need the Lord. People need.
been sent not asked the Lord didn't ask you it's not a request it's a command it's a demand go go into all the world preach the gospel because people need the Lord yes they do people need When will we realize? Say, when will we realize again? When will we? When will we realize? Repeat it again and again. When will we? Will we realize that we've got to visualize that we've got to agonize? When we, when will we realize that we've got to evangelize? That people need the Lord. People need the Lord. Lift your hands all over this building. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. We thank you that we're included in the number. But we cannot sleep tonight unless you give us a burden for souls. We cannot sleep comfortably tonight unless we develop a passion for souls. We cannot sleep comfortably tonight until we begin to agonize and visualize and evangelize because your sentence. You have sent us. And we say, here am I, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. 
If you go, lift your hands and say, I'll go. I'll go. Father, I'll go. Empower us. Strengthen us. Anoint us. Equip us. You already have. What am I saying? You already have. You said, for you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Hallelujah. I'll go, I'll go. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Never see people again and just see people. Be moved with compassion. I wonder if they're saved. I wonder if they know the Lord. I wonder if they have a personal experience with Jesus Christ. God bless you. Please be safe. Observe the protocols wherever you go. And just take care of yourself and your family. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for coming out today. If you came today, you may not get to come next week because there are others who are on the list already who wanted to come today. So it's only fair that we give them a chance to next week. It's going to roll over. There are certain people that will always come because of the roles they play. But um, we know you understand. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Lift your right hands. Say with me, let the words of my mouth, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Praise team. God bless you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your commitment. God bless you. God bless you, musicians. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you, everyone. Have an Ephesians 3.20 week. God bless you. Hey.